0: We're continuing on with our uh, series on, called On Guard. Talked about guarding your relationships, guarding your heart today. I want to talk to you about guarding your time. Uh, let's see that video clip, Scotty. That's why I want to talk to you this morning, about your time, how you're going to use it. And the thing that you will quickly recognize this morning, at least I pray that, is that you need to guard your time so that you will, in fact, use it for God's glory and honor. Uh, I am going to be 47 in April, and I have to say, where does the time go? Have you ever noticed that, how short life is? Uh, It seems the older you get the uh, quicker time goes. And all the old people said? Shauna was getting very old, obviously. (laughs) A couple were celebrating their 60th birthdays together and were stunned when an angel appeared and granted them each a wish. They'd just turned 60 years old. And the wife said that she wanted to, uh, to travel the world, and then poof, in her hands were the tickets. For her and her husband to travel around the world. And the husband, on the other hand, made his wish. And he wished that he could be married to a woman who was 30 years younger. And poof, when the smoke passed, he discovered he was 90 years old. <laughs> Serves him right, doesn't it? <laughs> Some are just getting it now. You did the math there. Good for you. I want to talk about time. Uh, time management. You know, time management is a relatively new idea. It's a new concept. Um, you didn't hear much about that 25, 30 years ago. I mean, you talked about you know being organized and that sort of thing, but today it's become a an industry. There there are uh, multi-billion-dollar companies devoted to helping people manage their time properly. And in fact, if you Google time management, you'll discover uh, that Google comes up with over 7,000 hits, and uh, Alta Vista some 9,000 hits. On time management. I went through all of them. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't do that. There's, there's just no end to information on the subject. If you uh, go to Amazon Books and Google, or yeah, Google through Amazon Books, uh, time management, you'll come up with 65,000 different books that you can buy on this subject. In fact, you could spend your whole life studying time management and at the end of your life, not having really done anything, but studied these time management books. In the 1960s, Time magazine reported that a subcommittee of the Senate um, was assembled to discuss the topic again of time management. And essentially, the best experts in the field were concerned, listen to this, they were concerned that with advances in technology, the biggest problem by the end of the century would be that people would, what would people do with all their spare time? It was actually suggested that workers would have to cut back on how many hours a week they worked or how many weeks a year they worked, or else they would have to start retiring sooner. So the, the, the thing is this, is they, they came to the conclusion that with all this latest gadgetry and things to make life easier, you know, a microwave oven and and uh, uh, some people have got two stoves in their house to help make thing, life easier, a wa- electric washer and dryer. Life was, life was going to be so much easier with all this technology that people would just have a, a huge surplus of time in their hands. And the, the government was concerned, what would all these people with all this leisure time do? Guess what? Their predictions were were uh, were terribly wrong. The truth is is that the average worker, or the average work week is now 47 hours, up from 43 hours two decades ago. A recent Gallup poll found that 44 percent of Americans and Canadians consider themselves to be workaholics. We've got a huge problem on our hands. We've got more luxuries and more things to make life go easier for us, and yet we've got We've got fewer hours available to us. And so I want to talk to you this morning about guarding your time. And I'm not going to talk, listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you a time management seminar. That's not, that's not what I'm here to do today. Okay, I can tell you how to use a you know, a day timer and how to schedule your time and, and how to be, be effective with the use of your time, that sort of thing. But that's not what I'm here to do. What I want to do is I want to help you through the scriptures recognize how you need to spend your time. And let you fill in your daytime or your calendar to effectively accomplish, listen to this, to effectively accomplish all that God wants you to do. Not what you want to do, but what God wants you to do. The thing is, is that each of us has been allotted a certain number of days on this earth, and then we're gone. And the sad fact of the matter is, is that too many people live their lives and don't really accomplish much. Too many people come to the end of their lives and they don't really do anything. And so I'd like you to take your Bibles, please. Turn to Psalm 39 verses 4 to 7. And for those of you who don't have, uh, have one handy, I've got the, I've got it up on the screen here. I need water. (laughs) And we're looking at Psalm 39, 4 to 7. And if you would just read that with me. And David says, show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. You have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Each man's life is but a breath. Selah. What does Selah mean, by the way? Pause. Stop. Think. Man is a mere phantom. Let's read it. Man is a mere phantom as he goes to and fro. He bustles about, but only in vain. He heaps up wealth, not knowing who will get it. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Psalm 39, 47. Written by a man by the name of David, the second king of Israel. His name is mentioned 900 times in the scriptures. This man was... uh, was a shepherd who began his life as a shepherd boy. He was a nobody the very bottom of the social uh, class, if you want to call it that. He really was a nobody. And we see him catapulted to the very top. He becomes not just the second king of Israel, but the greatest king of Israel. And here's a man that says, Lord, show me my life's end. And the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. Now, the man who's got incredible wealth at his disposal, in a, in a, a marvelous position, he, he's got servants at his beck and call. You could really say that here's a guy that really has made it, who is a success. But he's concerned that his life will have meaning that his life will have purpose that his life will be not spent in vain. And so the question this morning for those of us who who are Christ followers is this how can i be sure to use my time in a way that pleases god? How do i guard my time so that my time brings glory to god? So let's look at what david teaches us. The first thing we recognize is that we need to pray. We have to pray about it. Are you in the habit of praying about everything in your life? Some of us, the only times we ever pray is when things are not going right, and then it's like, oh, God, help. (laughs) But the rest of the time, we're saying, God, I don't need your help. I'm fine. I'll do it on my own. But David's saying, look, if you're going to face this life and you're going to get it right, then what you need to do is you need to go to God for help to get it Right? And so David says this, pray, show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days and let me know how fleeting my life is. God, give me your perspective of my life. The fact of the matter is, is that most of us and most people on on this earth don't want to talk about, don't want to talk about their death or their funeral. Uh, You'd be amazed at how many people, I mean, I've been in the ministry for 25 years. You'd be amazed at how many people I've come across over the last 25 years do not have funeral plans because they think That if they make they make funeral arrangements that somehow God's gonna say, okay, you made the arrangements, you're ready to go, you're out. (laughs) How many know that God doesn't sit back there just sort of waiting for you to make your funeral arrangements and say, as soon as you got those, those plans in place, man, you're, you're out of here. God didn't do that. There's people who won't make a will because they believe if they make a will, God's just waiting to, to snuff out their lives. No, David says, I'm gonna get this right, I'm gonna get my life right, I'm only given a certain number of days, and then it's done. I've only I've only got a certain number of days in this world, and I want to make sure I get it right. So he says, God, help me. I want to get it right. Did you know that you spend two years making phone calls to people who aren't home? Sounds absurd, doesn't it? But two years of your life is making phone calls to people who will not pick up the phone. According to one time management study, that's how much time the average person spends trying to return calls to people who never seem to be in. Two years of your life, you can see that you can very quickly spend your whole life and not really accomplish a whole lot. You start, I've done this in past years, we calculated how much time you'd spend eating. How many years of your life is spent eating? Some of us have spent more years at it than others. (laughs) How much time you've spent sleeping? Some have spent more time than others at sleeping. How many years of your life you've spent brushing your teeth? Some haven't spent any time (laughs) at that. At least it seems that way. How much time have you spent actually making a difference in somebody's life? The fact of the matter is is that most of us are spending our years or have spent our years on very mundane things that really don 't add up to a whole lot or don 't make much or don 't have much significance, not only do we spend six months waiting for traffic lights to turn green, we spend another eight months reading junk mail that 's in ter- terms of your whole lifespan folks don 't you think that we should follow the example of the great King David and say, "God, I need your help to get my life right i don 't want my life to be a waste. And so David says, God, show me. Another man, Moses, some of you know him, responsible for helping us get the Ten Commandments, he says in Psalm 90, verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Here's Moses who's, who has uh, led the people of Israel out of Egypt, and uh, he brings them to the edge of the Promised Land and they refuse to believe that God can actually help them enter the promised land. And so God says, your punishment is is that you won't be able to go into the promised land. It'll be the next generation that does that. And so for 40 years, there's a whole generation of Jews, Israelites, roaming the wilderness. And basically all they're doing is eating manna in the morning, gathering manna, eating it, uh, and not doing much else. Moses watched his generation die off for 40 years. It's estimated that there's some 90 people a day that were dying. And Moses surely would have looked at these lives. They were dropping dead, 90 a day, and wondering, what's the use of it? You want to know something? This is the way so many people spend their lives, wandering through this life, accomplishing nothing, doing nothing, helping no one, serving no one. And then the time comes and you breathe your lust breath. They lay you in a casket and lower you into the ground. And a few people will shed a few tears. But will you have made a difference? Will your life have made a difference in somebody else's life? And when you stand before Jesus, what's He going to say to you? So what did you do with your time? How did you spend those 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 days, those weeks, those months, those years that I gave you? What did you do with it? My friends, you are going to stand before God someday, and you will give an account for how you live your life. What are you going to say? What are you going to say? I mastered the sixth level in my Xbox <laughs> and in all the games that I got with it. I did it. I conquered Tetris. I did. (laughs) Does that mean anything? Does it have any value? Will your life live on after you're gone? Moses looks at these 90 people a day, dropping dead, and he sees... They've accomplished nothing and doing nothing. How many know they're not going to live forever? And some of us are a little closer to eternity than others, and it's time now to start asking the question: What are you going to do with your life? Here's what's going to happen with you when you when you go to God in prayer and say, "God, help me, help me to get my life right." You know what God's going to show you? He's going to show you. But the most important thing in your life are your relationships, your relationship to him and the relationship to the people in your life, your family, your church, the lost, the broken, and the hurting. That's why at our church we have this 40 days campaign. Listen, it comes from Saddleback, it's prepared by Rick Warren. But, I mean, Rick Warren's not God. I mean, Rick Warren is just... A man that said, God, here my I, use me, and he prepared a tool that we're using here. A tool that will help you connect to others. When you pray and ask God, God, how, to live, how do I live my life? This is what God's going to tell you you need to do. You need to make sure that you work on your relationship to him and you work on your relationship to one another. What are the relationships like with your friends, with your family, with your kids? When's the last time you, you talked to your kids? It's been estimated that the average father only talks to his kids about 15 minutes a day. The mother, working mother speaks to her kids just slightly more than that. That's, it's pretty sad, especially when you consider that most of us have our kids till they're maybe 18, 19 years old, and then they move on, do other things. Don't you think you need God's help to get this right, friends? You need to go before God and say, God, help me to get this right. Help me to get my relationships with my kids right. Help me to get my relationships with my, my, my husband, with my wife right. Help me to get my relationship with the world right. So what is a relationship with the world supposed to be anyway? Well, I'll tell you what. God said we're supposed to go into the world and we're supposed to tell people about Jesus. Can I ask you this question? When's the last time you spoke to somebody about Jesus? You say, it scares me, silly pastor, to talk to people about Jesus. That's why you've got to Pray. That's why I gotta go to God and say, God, I need your help in this because I can't do it on my own. That's what David did. David sets an example for us as somebody who makes right decisions. Why? Because he knows how to pray. I wonder how, how you're spending your life, how you're spending your time. Most of us waste time on non-relational activities. Biggest time waster would be TV, computer, video games. Isn't that right? Huge amounts of time on that. Some of us spend huge amounts of time on our job. We want to get ahead, we want to make money. I heard about a fellow recently who had three jobs. He wanted to pay for his house, wanted to pay for his car, wanted to pay for his kids' education. And uh, only in his 50s, mid 50s, and he dropped dead of a heart attack, worn out. I'm going to ask you this question What do you think the kids would rather have, an education or have their dad back? Listen, if you're going to get this life right, you've got to go to God and you got to get the help from him that he can give you. To make right decisions and plan your life right so that you spend your time in the things that matter the most. The relationship to God, relationship to one another. The second thing you need to do, according to David, is you need to plan. Psalm 39.5, you have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Each man's life is but a breath. If it's just a handbreadth, then you need to spend some time after you've done your praying planning. What's David saying here? He's saying each minute is an irretrievable gift, an unredeemable slice of eternity. And the next thing is, God, how can I make my life count? If it's here, if it's here and gone so quick, how can I how can I use my time wisely? You gotta sit down, you've got to plan it out. Now here's the thing for Christians. What matters most in the long run is not how many years you live. It doesn't matter how long you live. It's what do you do with the time that you have. It's not how long you live, but it's how you live. And so I asked you that question this morning. How are you living? In North America here, we live in a land of plenty. Everybody knows that. I mean, it's it's incredible. You live in a land. I, mean, I don't know. Did anybody see the Obama inauguration? Of course you saw it. I saw it, I mean, it was, it was historical. And of course, every commentator is talking about how, what are they saying? How a black boy from a poor family could rise to the highest office in the land. And isn't that fantastic? And people came from all over North America. Some people came from Canada. Some people came from all over the world to be there for that inauguration. And something inside, inside each of us says, It feels that they want to be part of a dream, something great, something big. Do you know that the opportunities and the circumstance of this earth can never satisfy our deepest longings? Even if you make it to to Prime Minister of Canada, or the President of the United States. There's something more that your heart desires. And I'll tell you why the things of this world can't satisfy you. I'll tell you why that... Getting that brand new SUV is not going to satisfy your heart. Getting that brand new house is not going to satisfy you. Getting that promotion is not going to satisfy Getting a bigger paycheck is not going to satisfy you. Why? Why is it that the things of this world can't satisfy us? I'll tell you why. Because the Bible says that we were born, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, we were born with eternity in our hearts. We were born with a capacity for something much greater than what this world can give. And so what you've got to do, what you've got to understand is that you've got to start planning bigger. Becoming the president of the United States is, is fine, but it's not great. Becoming the prime minister of Canada is not a bad thing, but it's not great. Kevin, if you're here becoming the premier of Manitoba, is, it's a nice goal, but it's not a big deal. The big deal, my friend, is when what you do lasts for eternity. When you make a difference in people's lives, when you when you make a difference in someone so that they've come to the place where they turn their hearts to Jesus and they become Christians and you go to heaven with somebody else. Now that's greatness. That's significance. But the only way that's going to happen, my friends, is if you take the time to consider how you're living your life. If you begin to plan and say, God, the things of this world are awfully attractive. But God, help me. Help me, God. To recognize that this life is short, but that eternity goes on forever. Man, what a change will take place in the way you live your life. This is what C.S. Lewis says. He says, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most in the present world were just those who thought most of the next world. In other words, what he's saying is that if you want to do great things on this earth while you're living here, then you've got to be thinking more of the world to come. He says, the apostles themselves who set on foot to convert the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished slave trade, all left their mark on the earth precisely because their minds were occupied with what? Not the things of this world, but with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the world that they have become so ineffective in this world. Did you get that? Because Christians no longer think of the fact that they're going to die and go to heaven and stand before Jesus someday, it's made them ineffective here in this world. And you think to yourself for a moment, how are you spending your life? How how are you spending your time? I would guess that probably the majority of your time, if it's not being wasted on TV, computer, video games, it's being spent on work so that you can have all the things that society says you need to have in order to be happy. But the only thing that's going to make you happy, my friends, if you start living in light of eternity and start investing in the world to come, that means that you've got to start marking your calendar, calendar up to reflect the things that are important to you. That means you've got to mark in your calendar. I'm going to go to the missions fundraising banquet on Friday, February the 27th. Here's your announcement time, folks. Write that into your calendar. Friday, February the 27th. We're raising, we're asking each Christian to do, donate $50. So that we can raise funds to care for these little kids that are homeless, empty bellies in the Philippines. I'm meeting with Alec tomorrow to discuss it further. I'm so excited that we have the opportunity and the privilege to be part of something like this. But my friends, we've got a plan to make that happen. It doesn't happen automatically. You've got a plan to be there. You gotta say, this is important. I'm gonna write this in. And guess what, my friends? When you stand before Jesus someday, I can assure you, I can promise you that Jesus is gonna have a a record of the fact that you went to that banquet, February the 27th, to help kids in the Philippines. Because it's important to God. You wanna know what's important to the heart of God? The widow, and the orphan, and the poor, and the broken. The naked, the hungry, the thirsty. See, Pastor, I don't know, maybe we're talking about time management here, and you're talking about, what, 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 where are we going with it? I'll tell you what I'm saying here, folks. Is that what you've got to do is you've got to get into your calendar, into your plans, the most important things. And the most important things in God's economy are people. Your kids, your wife, your spouse, the people you work with. Yes, the poor, the broken, and the hurting in the Philippines the poor, the broken, the hurting, downtown Winnipeg. When's the last time you reached out to those in need? You need to get that on your calendar. You, and don't say, you know, Pastor, I just can't seem to find time to do these things. Listen, you'll never find time to help people in need. You'll never find time to get involved in, in kids' club. You'll never have find time to go to China, Wendy. You'll ha- never have time. You, what you got to do, though, is you got to make time. It's got to be a priority in your life. The third thing that David tells us we got to do is we've got to pause. So you, you pray, go before God, get God's mind, and you begin your plans. And after you begin to do your plan, after you've made your plans, after you, you've begun your work to serve God and use your time for his glory and honor, then the, th- the third thing you got to do is you got to make sure you do take a pause. Sei la, Pause. Stop. Stop doing what you're doing. Take time out. David says, man is a mere phantom. As he goes to and fro, he bustles about, but only in vain. He heaps up wealth, not knowing who will get it. (laughs) Because time is precious and short, the temptation is to, is to never pause. Gotta keep going, keep going, keep going. Work like a maniac. Man, when we do, we do such stupid things, when we fail to reflect on our lives. Isn't that true? When we stop when we when we fail to stop and think about how we're living our lives. We find out that we've a whole week has gone by and we haven't even done our devotions. A whole week has gone by. We haven't talked to our kids. A whole week has gone by, and and our lives have been wasted. You just take stop and take time to think. Think about your life. Think about what you're doing. Three guys were stranded on a desert island. And They find a magic lantern containing containing a genie, who grants each of them one wish. The first guy wishes he was off the island and back home. The second guy wishes that he was off the island and back home. And the third guy says, gosh, I'm, I'm awfully lonely. I wish my friends were back here with me. How are you living your life? to make it any sense? It's just stupid. That's what David says. Or not David. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, don't live your lives uh, foolishly. But rather stop and think about how you're living your life. Make the most of every minute, he says. Do that your time is most effectively and efficiently spent when you've taking the time to pause, you're most productive after you've stopped and had a rest. And by the way, this is, not, this is not David's idea. It's not my idea. This is God's idea. He calls it a Sabbath rest. We've gotten really smart, or at least we think we're smart. We think we don't need a Sabbath rest anymore. We just carry on. one day is the same as another day. Sunday's no different than any other day of the week. The fact of the matter is, is God knows how he has formed us, and he knows that you and I need to pause, need to have a rest, need to think about how we're living our lives. But the fact is, is that we don't do that anymore, because somehow we think we're maybe more spiritual than our forefathers were. I don't know what it is, but it's no wonder we're so stressed out. Anybody here stressed out this morning? You come here, you're just your life is just is so stressed out, and you just don't know how you can face another day. My friend, it's time for you to pause. It's time for you to, to guard your time of rest so that you could become effective and efficient once again. Here's a prayer for the stressed. Ready for this? Someone wrote this. This is a this is a stressed person. This is their prayer. Oh God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I cannot accept, and the wisdom to hide the bodies of those I had to kill today because they got on my nerves. (laughs) Help me to always give 100% at work, 12% on Monday, 23% on Tuesday, 40%, yeah, you know it goes. And help me to remember when I'm having a really bad day and it seems that people are trying to wind me up, that it takes 42 muscles to frown and 28 muscles to... but only four to extend my arm and smack them upside the head. (laughs) I'll have that published so you can put that up on your wall, okay? Listen to me. God declares... That rest is essential. And if you're going to make the most out of your time, then you've got to make sure that you take time to rest and reflect on your life and how you're living your life. Stephen Covey wrote the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. And one of the habits of the highly successful people is that they take time to sharpen the saw. When I was growing up. We didn't have a power saw until some years uh, into my life. Um, and what we did have is we had the hand saws. Remember, everybody remembers hand saws? Anybody remember hand saws? I'm the oldest person in the building here. And we inherited uh, hand saws from Grandpa Sage, uh, right, Dad? And we inherited saws from Uncle Noble, and we inherited uh, these hand saws from different relatives. And I didn't know all these years that... Um, I didn't know that you could actually sharpen saws. I didn't know that uh that saws the hand saws could actually cut through wood really well. I, I always thought that hand saws were some curse handed down from the from the from Adam and that hand saws never ever worked. I only found out later that you could actually sharpen these things and you could actually uh do a fairly good job doing carpentry work with them. Here's the thing. So many of us are going through our lives. We're dull. Life's a chore. It's not easy anymore. You, When you wake up in the morning, you don't feel like getting up in the morning. You hit the snooze bar ten times. How many do that? Don't, don't put your hands up. <laughs> You're cranky. You don't even open up your eyes until you have a cup of coffee. You just wake your work down to the, to the kitchen, sit down at the table, and give me my coffee. Hook me up to IV here. Let's go. You're, you're so dull. Cranky. Get angry at the slightest provocation. What's happened to you? You, you, you can't think, you can't meditate, you open your Bible, you can't read it, so it's just a bunch of words, it's not, it's not piercing your heart. You drag your, your yourself into church and you, 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 you sort of just, oh, the worship and the and preaching and the Sunday school and just, i just doing my duty, I gotta get out of here. What's, what's happened to you? Where, where's the joy? Where's the vitality? Where's the life? Where's the excitement? Where's the joy? relationships aren't what they need to be. You haven't talked to your wife for a week. The kids haven't talked to you. You don't even know where they are. What happened to you? I'll tell you what's happened to you. You've let your time be hijacked by the things of this world. And you have not taken time to guard your time by pausing and reflecting and allowing God to speak to you. And now you've just lost your edge. You've lost your joy. I want to just remind you that it's time for you to turn back to God and get yourself sorted out so that your life once again can be productive and useful. So that once again, you can be excited about the things of God. Once again, you can be excited about being a Christian. Be excited about being a father, a mother. Be excited about your job. Be excited about serving in church. I want you just to watch this video clip here that is actually based on Ray Bolts' What If I Give All? And then we're going to pray. Scotty, if you would. Let's pray. Father, as we think of our time and how we spend it, we recognize, Lord, that there's so much that you have given to us. Of These things we are called to be stewards. And we pray, God, that uh, you would help us to be wise stewards of what you've entrusted to us. Not just money, but our time. And God, when we give our time to you, and we use our time to glorify you, then it makes a difference in our world. And so this morning we asked the question, what, what if I gave my time? What if I gave all my time to you, Lord, and ask you to be Lord of my time? God, we know that there's a whole world out there that's waiting for people who have the good news to go and share the love of Jesus. But it's going to take time. There's an inconvenience that comes with this call. God, help us to recognize today that Jesus embraced The greatest inconvenience of all, he left the splendor of heaven and the fellowship of the Father and the Holy Spirit to come to this world. He gave 33 years in this world to serve, to teach, to heal, and then to die on the cross. for our sins God when we think of what you've given we acknowledge today God that as Christ's followers it's our responsibility to give as well God we pray this morning get a hold of our hearts move in our hearts and our spirits and our minds so that we may live lives that honor you And bless and help others. We pray that for Christ's sake. Let's stand together.